Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! And we're back with another episode of Royally Obsessed. We're keeping the winter doldrums at bay, I would say, with all of the royal news we have coming up because there's so much exciting things to talk about. Kate's birthday portraits... Oh my gosh. Oh, I, so I'm already excited. diving in. I can't, I can't continue. Can't wait. We'll excitement. just put it all out of order. By the way, I'm Roberta. <laughs> and I'm Rachel. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. And if you're on Apple Podcasts already, why not leave us a review? That would be amazing. A five-star review so kind. would be even more What a way kind. to kick off your year. <laughs> What a way to kick off our year. What are we talking about besides those portraits, Rachel? So much new developments, but not all the news we want to know about Prince Andrew's case. We still don't have that verdict. We're recording on Tuesday. I just want to say that on the record here, but we are waiting with bated breath to see how the judge will rule. More on that. Platinum Jubilee news, which is very exciting. And the birthday portraits. I feel like we're going to just say that 17 times before we get to it. Just saying it again. Beyond that, so much more. But Roberta, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Kate broke the internet for me. Um, everything's good. Every, I mean, it's very chilly. I don't know. It's freezing. Is it, it's in freezing. Brooklyn. Yeah, where you are. And it's really cold in uh, Florida, too, weirdly, where I am. And uh, But I have been consuming all the content. I've been watching a lot of TV. It's a good time for that, actually. Like, I think that that's yeah. kind of the best part about January is to be like, there's nothing going on. There's Omicron going on, but there's nothing going on. You can just hunker down and be at home and catch up on good TV. So I watched that massive Beatles documentary, you did? the nine hour one. I watched six hours of nine hours. So I'm is it on worth part it? Three. It's so worth it. Okay. I actually was like so blown away by how much I liked it because I don't like. I think the Beatles are great, just like anyone else. But I was really I was excited to see it. But then really the reviews impressed. were a little bit mixed. I saw, but then I just oh, don't really? know if that was just people being I like it was negative. So good. Okay. And then the premiere of All Creatures Great and Small season two <gasps> was on PBS on Sunday, and it is so good. It's my favorite show right now. I think I have to say that. So uh, oh, yeah, I can't wait what to do you, that. I'm. What were you watching this weekend? So you'll laugh, but I actually we sat down. We were trying to find a movie, and then I, I can't remember which station or which. Uh, station, uh, which streaming service served up a Philadelphia story, which I've never seen with Catherine Hepburn. And so we put that on. Matt had already seen it, of course, but I loved it. I was totally... I need to watch that. I'm the kind of person that also gets stunned by the twists and turns. Like, I don't see them coming. Like, I really thought it was going to (laughs) go one way, even though this is a movie from so long ago and it should be semi-predictable. But I was like, wait, what? At the end? I love Catherine Hepburn so much, too. Her fashion is Yes, it's so good. And I also just like blitzed through lady parts because I subscribed accidentally to Peacock, the streaming service, and and it's a great show. It's about like NBC, a, right? That's NBC. It's getting yeah. a lot of really good reviews. So we checked it out and it's about a Muslim lady rock band and just it oh, has like I've a Bridget Jones oh, kind of yeah. vibe and it's really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a British comedy show, right? Mm-hmm. 
It's very Bridget Jones. So lots of TV recommendations for y'all. I've heard good things. I need to check that out. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. This royal refreshment is a pretty good one, I would say. Yes. And it's an actual one that we looked up a recipe for. So get ready for this, guys. I made it. Let's see. Can I see what you? Yeah, I don't. I want to say I didn't. Oh, it's pretty. Ha- well, I didn't have the mint script. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> scribs. I didn't have the mint sprigs, sprigs, and I also didn't have a lime. So, but I had lime Lacroix. Let's say what it is, though. What is it? It's I a, didn't have the lime. I didn't have the mint, and I didn't have cucumber, cucumber cooler so. cocktail. So I yeah. put the cucumbers in. I have lime Lacroix and gin, and it's pretty delicious and refreshing. It's I delicious. gotta say, mine is just a gin and tonic, but it's really just gin and lime tonic. And lime LaCroix. I'm enjoying it. I can't really call that tonic. But it's really good. But if you wanted to make it the proper way, you would do gin, slices of cucumber, a lime, tonic water, mint leaves, and a tablespoon of sugar, which is optional, which I wouldn't do. But this is from The Minimalist Baker. And we felt that this was kind of refreshing for January and felt healthy-ish. And we're going to toast to two upcoming royal birthdays. So first up is Sophie, Countess of Wessex, who – is turning 57 on January 20th, and also Mia Tyndall. Her eighth birthday is January 17th, so that one's coming up first. But Sophie, did you see she was in Qatar? No. Today? I didn't yeah, see She's that. on like a little mini royal tour um, promoting a lot of women's rights and advocacy for um, vision. She's doing a lot in terms of like eye surgery. There's a uh, – I can't remember exactly the name of the charity she's working with, but her outfits have been kind of incredible. I still love so. our conversation with Bethan from last week about how she is just this like, you know, we don't pay enough attention to Sophie's fashion. Yeah. And so cheers. Happy birthday to them. Cheers. All right. And then this week we have a listener email from Sonia. She says – She's referencing that adorable story we got about the little kid who dressed up as the queen for Halloween and sent in a picture posing with her corgis, which was so cute. I'm going to click the link. Adorable. I know. So her name is Jelaine Sutherland. So she caught the attention of the queen. And so the queen's lady-in-waiting wrote back. So Sonia wrote, Happy New Year. I'm sure hundreds of Roros already sent you this, but it is my duty to do my part. I really enjoyed your latest episode. Many thoughts. I'm pegging this out on my phone while I, my work email inbox is imploding. I'll email you after, but I had to share this adorable nugget. Cheers. It really is so, so cute. And I think it's funny that the queen even says that the outfit was splendid, which I thought was really It sweet, is splendid. So. That little coat and the pearls is just darling. So send so your good. photos to the queen if you have the yeah. inspo, if you feel inspired. The Halloween uh, but speaking of the Queen, we have a p- couple Platinum Jubilee announcements that were released, uh, the key dates coming up. But I, the one thing that I just am so excited about, Great British Bake Off meets the Royals. This Tell me what this is, Roberta. I need to know more about it. And it's I know it just makes your heart swell. <laughs> Well, they're looking basically for a platinum pudding to honor the queen's 70th year on the throne. And so this platinum pudding is they're asking for entries from the public to enter into this competition. It's being judged by, among a host of other people, uh, Mary Berry, Dame Mary Berry, who was a former host of Great British Bake Off. Also, Liam Charles, who was a former contestant from season eight and a bunch of other people. Fortnum and Masons is kind of hosting this and there's a bunch of rules to enter criteria for judging i've seen on twitter a couple people already suggesting what they would make there was one that was a jaffa cake with 
Cointreau in the middle. And so I'm wondering, Rachel, what would you bake for the Queen's Platinum Pudding if you had to? Oh, my gosh. I do not bake. I just would be, like, disqualified immediately. I am horrific at anything baking related. I would need to, like, phone a friend. And I would maybe phone you because you're a great baker. What would you make? I love that they're, like, really making this hard, though. This is what the description says on the website. The official website to enter, the description says – Although the term pudding has become synonymous with dessert in Britain, not all puddings are desserts, while all desserts are puddings. It's like, could you make this any harder for people to, like, <laughs> to wrap their mind around? Yeah, yeah. lack of spell. It's like, it's like the second challenge in the Great British Bake Off where there's like very vague information and yes. you have to just know the skill and like you got it. You- the signature. Yeah. The uh, no, sig- not the signature. Not the signature. Uh, the, technical, the technical. The technical. Yes. <laughs> I do love it. I would think I think I would bake something with um Duvenet so that the queen because that's oh, her smart. favorite gin and Duvenet so include yeah, yeah like a smart. little liquor in the bake almost like like a lot of I think a lot Some of British. Easter eggs in the pudding. <laughs> Is yeah. that what you call it? Like an Easter egg. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like a lot of British bakes have liquor like rum cakes and stuff so i would think that that would be appropriate Mm -hmm. um but it's it's quite strict you can only they want you to have a story attached to it like they want it to kind of move them i guess you would say so the the rules are is it uk entry only yeah i believe so uk residents age eight and over so that's really sweet that they might get some younger people younger bakers submitting their submitting their recipes uh so yeah that's really fun but there's a, a bunch of other dates too coming up mainly the big thing is the bank holiday weekend extended bank holiday weekend in june uh, June 2nd to the 5th. So there's going to be a lot of celebrations, including um, there's a big lunch. There's that huge concert, which they said star-studded entertainment, which I can't wait to see who they pick, um, among a host of other things. So I'm pretty excited just because I feel like we've been talking about this for so long, just the thought that it's here. We're in 2022 and we have the Platinum Jubilee to look forward to. It's really exciting. I also feel like I can't remember recognizing this previously, but the fact that the queen officially ascended the throne and will mark this a massive occasion on February 6th, the same day as Finn's birthday. Like, I don't know how I blocked oh. that that's the overlap there. Anyways, I it should be like- I didn't realize that either. Isn't that weird that I've never made that correlation? I'm like, did I make that correlation last year? Anyways, it jumped out at me this year. So I'm very excited. <laughs> I'll make his wow. party, which or his non-party because of COVID, <laughs> but um, maybe I'll make it like queen Royal specific. <laughs> He'll be like, what? He'll look back at photos and be like, what Yeah, happened? he'll be so confused. Because that really is the start of the Platinum Jubilee, I think. Like, yeah, that is that's the when formal she day. The throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when her dad passed away. And she'll become away, the first so. British mar- monarch to do so. So for 70 wow. years on the throne. Okay, royal history. Incredible. Speaking of royal history and all the facts. And now, this week in royal history. We want to talk about how January 15th, 1997 is the day that Diana walked through landmines in Angola, which was, I think, one of the most iconic images of Princess Diana. So a few things about that day. She visited Angola with the Red Cross, walked through a live minefield. You know, it had been partially cleared, and it was with the Halo Trust. And she even detonated a a landmine in front of journalists. There were about 90 journalists that showed up for this to see her. And the people that were hosting the event with the Red Cross, Halo Trust, they really thought it would be maybe a few, but just obviously given that it's Princess Diana – you get 90 journalists. 
Her visit sparked a huge amount of controversy and immediate backlash from the UK government, specifically the Tory party, because at the time, international negotiations on a ban of landmines were ongoing, but the UK army was still using them at the time. She endorsed a worldwide ban on landmines immediately upon arrival, and we're going to play a clip from that visit. It is my sincere hope that by working together in the next few days, we shall focus world attention on this vital but until now, largely neglected issue. So this obviously sparked a huge amount of controversy. This headline, Diana in political minefields, ran among many, many others that were really unhappy with her making this humanitarian move. She definitely called it a humanitarian effort. Here's a clip from an interview with Diana on the fly while she was there that was from an AP news report in 1997. Ma'am, the government minister's home has said you're a loose cannon by supporting this campaign. Uh, Do you have any reaction to that? I'm only trying to highlight a problem that's going on all around the world. That's all. I remember seeing this in, I think it was the CNN documentary that you did, Yes, they did spend a lot of time on this. And the reporter was like, I really felt bad. It's called like doorstopping or doorstepping a royal where you kind of come out of line and ask them a question on the fly. And Prince Harry has gotten really mad about that as well. But the way that she got in the car and there were cameras in the car on Diana and she said a loose cannon like she was really, really bothered by that and really yeah, she was incredibly by upset by how political this visit became. It was something she was very passionate about. In fact, her work on this particular cause led to the Ottawa Treaty that banned landmines. And at the time of her visit to Angola, there were 15 million unexploded landmines still in just that country alone. So, But I think just the context of this, Angola had been through a huge civil war. This Diana was visiting very soon after that concluded, and she was nervous to go. And even for the safety briefing that she went through upon arrival, it was very much explained to her that paying attention was so critical because it's a life or death thing walking through that field. But just the fact that she did that, I mean, I feel like it really speaks to the fact that she was so clear on the power of an image, the power of that video, even just re-watching the video. I think I'm very familiar with the images, but seeing her walk and how much time she spent and she veered off the path a little bit to check in different areas, it was just a a monumental moment and it occurred as she was entering the last year of her life too. Right. That's what I was just going to – I just think like – I almost get a little choked up thinking about that in eight months she'd be dead and how much Mm -hmm. work she could have accomplished in her time and how she did so much but had the potential for Diana to kind of take these issues and make everyone focus on them is incredible and how we all miss out on the positive change she could have brought about for the world. And it just makes me so sad. I know. And of course, we know Harry followed in her footsteps on his Africa visit with Meghan in 2019. Speaking of which, January 8th, we didn't mention this last week, but it kind of stems into this week. But this is the two-year anniversary of their announcement to step down as senior members of the royal family. Remember that fateful day, Roberta? We were together. Flew. Flew by. (laughs) How did that happen? I know. Remember we were together, though? And that was just so... I mean, our gut reactions, we were with Micah. We've talked with Micah about this on the pod. And it was just this moment where we were all so like, you know, we didn't expect it. I remember we raced back to the office and everything. But I feel, you know, look how far they've come. It's amazing. I know. It's only been two years. I think about their Christmas card and the happiness and that, you know, Lilibet wasn't even a twinkle in their eye at that point. And that, that makes me feel like... You know, these two years, they've done so much, and I think there's still so much to come. Yeah, it wasn't an easy path at all that they chose. and But I think um, 
One of my favorite assessments of the holiday card was this is what boundaries look like. And I thought that that was a really great summation. Oh, of- <laughs> I like that. That's I saw good. that somewhere. I'm sorry if I'm not giving proper credit, but I, I loved that. I love that too. We've got to get into these birthday portraits of Kate Middleton for her 40th birthday. I just have to say that I immediately texted Rachel. I know you like, are on it, are Roberta. You, okay? you saw it even before I was. Yeah, that was it. And it was so funny because it was from, uh, yeah, I was just. I was like, are you all right? Because these are, I mean, my jaw was on the floor. My breath was, I just, I mean, I. it sounds dramatic, but like truly, I think I can say you know, wholeheartedly that this is the most amazing photos of Kate we've, we've seen, we've ever seen. I mean, it's just incredible. And it wasn't what we were expecting, I think, in a lot of ways. I don't know what I was expecting, but I think I was expecting something more January 2020. It was like Norfolk country chic mom mm-hmm. moment, that kind of a thing. And this was the polar opposite. Such a departure from that. I know. I actually, I showed, without telling her who it was, I showed my mom the pictures. And she was like, wait, who is that? Wow. And I think a lot of people had the same reaction because I just don't think we were expecting this at all. Like, it wasn't, I, I had to, like, do a double take. I first saw it on, I don't know who picked it up. I think it was leaked through a cover that had been shown for the next day. So Mm -hmm. there was one picture. It was the dress in red that I first saw on social media. And our Royally Obsessed podcast handle had just posted about, um, we hope we get some new pictures. And then like moments later, it showed up. So that was really funny because, you know, ask and you shall receive. But uh, anyway, so we have just the facts really quick. So the photographer is Paolo Reversi, who's an Italian fashion photographer. He did one interview about the pictures, and it's with an Italian newspaper called Corriere della Sera. And so in that interview, he says he took about 250 photos. He and Kate worked together to whittle them down to just the three. He also shot photos of Kate dancing, and I love this quote. He convinced her to twirl and dance, and he says, in the end, I want to take pictures in motion. So I, with that wonderful wide skirt, I made her dance in front of my camera, a kind of accelerated waltz mixed with a pinch of rock and roll. And that was in the red dress, right? That was in the red dress, and it, for some reason, just made me think about Emma Corrin dancing in the mm. crown with her Walkman. I thought that and was And this photo is secret. Pictured. Like, that's what kills me is, like, the idea that there's 250 250- that art that exists. I read, I think that he narrowed it down to 70. So probably like mm-hmm, once mm-hmm. it ended up needed to be, you know, retouched 70 or made them ready for viewing. I right. just can't, when will we, you know, I'm sure we'll get glimpses of those over the years to come at certain points in the, in her, you know, tenure as future queen consort. But I think too, that the one in red She's mid-twirl. So I do mm-hmm. think that like maybe there is one picture that's actually pulled back and you can see she's dancing. But this one is m- very much in motion, as he said. And we have the style of the photos being in Cecil Beaton's very famous uh, photos of the queen, the queen mother, and also Princess Margaret. There's one that I keep going back to that's the 19-year-old Princess Margaret. And mm-hmm. it was for Vogue. And it's just so stunning. Um, and there's just such an ethereal quality to these. They're dreamy. They're Victorian. I thought this was wild, though, that in researching this, Kate Middleton has this connection to Victorian photography that I didn't know, which is that she wrote her thesis at the University of St. Andrews on Lewis Carroll's photographic interpretation of childhood, which was definitely Victorian era. And so she does have a lot of knowledge of that style. And she even 
kind of requested in this interview that uh, the photographer Paolo Reversi did. He said that she requested that she showed him actually portraits from Dante Gabrielle Rossetti, Sir David Coyle Byrne Jones, pre raph Raphaela, she had a mood board, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we all need a mood like, board. This I'm is very what I want. pro mood boards. Yeah. And then the last quote I really want to read is that Paolo, can I just call him Paolo? Yes. I feel like I'm on a first name basis now. He said, she's nice, welcoming woman who puts, and this is translated from Italian, so it might be not exact, but Google Translate, this quote says, she's a nice, welcoming woman who puts you at ease, respectful of everyone's work, bursts of joie de vivre, open, generous, luminous. I think it can bring so much hope to England and to the whole world. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. What praise. What praise. So Rachel, I have to ask, do you have a favorite? Oh my gosh, Roberta. I feel so conflicted. I definitely, as I said, want to see all the images, but I think the the one that was the profile, the side shot in the white dress, mm-hmm. I think that that mm-hmm. was definitely my favorite. I think what really took me aback by all the images, but particularly that one, was just how queen-like Kate looks. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel that, you know, she's turning 40, she's entering a new decade and a new phase of her royal life. And I feel like she's polished and glamorous, but she's not totally filtered, if that makes sense. Yes, there's mm-hmm. there's almost like a portrait quality for sure, but there's also mm-hmm. a realness and you feel her age, um, mm-hmm. which is a great thing. I think that that was yeah. a really nice detail, but that was my favorite, just the off the shoulder, the ribbons, the sort of detailing, yeah. there's the way like it flowed. a subtle bow, if you zoom in too. There's like these beautiful gauzy bows and these dresses, which reportedly all were pit hand-selected by Sarah Burton, oh, who what obviously life. designed her wedding dress, I know. All Alexander McQueen, Some one of them, I think the one shoulder one in in particular is sustainably made so it was made using materials that already existed from other dresses which I really liked Um, and we know that she was wearing Princess Diana's Collingwood pearl drop earrings in the two black and white shots and then in the red dress shot she's wearing the Queen's diamond earrings that are on loan. What about you? Did you have a favorite? Well, I my favorite is the same one. It's the side shot for sure. I just think that gown is stunning and like you mentioned, the naturalness of it. I know there's probably some photoshopping going on. I know there's yeah, some of airbrushing. Course. I'm sure. I'm sure all magazines do it. It's totally fine. But I think her hair has never looked more natural. And I love that I finally got an admission from Lainey who came on and we kind of did not argue, I would say, but we definitely disagreed on Kate's hair in the best of episode we did a couple weeks ago for the end of the year. And uh, she, she Lainey requested that she kind of, Kate needs to figure out her hair. And I I was, you know, willing to die on that stake about <laughs> Kate's hair being perfect. Well, Lainey admitted, she said, she wrote on her website, finally, finally, they did something right with her hair. Let's keep this hair energy going for 2022. And I think what draws everyone in about the hair is that it's just so not, it looks like her natural hair, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's very curly and it's, it's like not perfect on the roots like there's a little bit of frizz going on but that's okay yeah, I, liked I think those that she little... embraced it what did yeah. you think that there were no tiaras i liked that because i think it would she she kind of towed the line between stuffy and mm-hmm. uh modern and i think that that's what we all want from her like there we can't just jump from norfolk country chic <laughs> to tiara too quickly like why it's not make our head spins. <laughs> no i i think that it's gradual like we might see her in a tiara in a portrait one day and you know obviously she is the future princess of wales and future queen consort and future queen mother but 
at the same time, those aren't things she is now. So I think yeah. it's perfectly acceptable to be in a beautiful dress and kind of, um, and I love how uh, Bethan put it. I just want to read a quote because she put it so perfectly in her uh, in her post about it. She said, these are portraits of a future princess of Wales and queen, and they look to the future with references to the past. The frou-frou gauzy white gowns and sepia tones recall Cecil Beaton's portraits taken after the abdication crisis and as Britain was facing war in 1939 as a reassuring symbol of the continuity of the monarchy. The world and the royal family have been through their own crises of late. I think these images do more than reassure us, though. They make us excited for what's to come. Well put. Yeah. I know. Because I think it had that, you know, just that princess feel. It's like, you you know, it's... I think the Cambridges are always portrayed as so down to earth and relatable and just to be like, nope, there is this, they are not like us. Having that very clear distinction with these images and then you see the collages that people are sharing online comparing them to, you know, the Queen Mother and the portraits of Diana and the Queen. It's just, it really shows the place in history that Kate will ultimately hold. These will be in the history books. These scream, I am going to be queen or queen consort one day and and they scream you know regal re, regality i don't know yeah uh, yeah so they will be displayed in a permanent collection of the national portrait gallery which we all know kate is patron of and before that this is really cool they'll be part of a traveling exhibition called coming home so they'll be exhibited in berkshire where kate was born st andrews where she met william and anglesey where they lived for the first year of their marriage And this isn't just Kate. I mean, a lot of famous people's portraits will be displayed in their hometowns or places that hold special significance for them, which I thought was really cool because the National Portrait Gallery is undergoing some major renovations and won't reopen until 2023. So they kind of wanted to spread out some of the collections so people could still see them. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, But is that it for portraits? Should I move on to some? Yeah, birthdays? let's talk about how they how they celebrated. Yeah, so friends told the Times UK that Prince William and Kate celebrated with George, Charlotte, and Louis, as well as members of the Middleton family, some close pals. Previously, they said it's a Cambridge family tradition to bake a cake from scratch on birthdays, so we're sure that she enjoyed that, a birthday cake. I think that's a really nice tradition. I think that that's something that we try to do as well. It's like, it's just, it's so sweet, however way it turns out, if it's homemade. I just think that that's a really nice detail. I also like these friends who talked to the Times said that Kate really enjoys after dinner party games, which I was trying to think of like what, like... Not Ibble Dibble, <laughs> not charades, but maybe, maybe. I mean, I, my parents and I have recently, because I'm home, I've been home since the holidays, have been doing the Jeopardy on Alexa, oh, which is really fun. fun. I don't think the Cambridges are doing that. We've but been on such a like bingo that. tear because we got that for Christmas for Finn and it's animal bingo and it is, it actually gets really intense and we've played post bedtime because it's such a fun game. Bingo's a really good game. You never That's know who's, really who's going to win. I hope some people out there listening are playing Royal Trivia with our book that came out. Oh, yeah. Very good point. Um, Kate also likes a gin and tonic, so that's what I'm drinking now. Cheers. Yeah, basically, right? cucumber gin and tonic. Yeah. Um, And supposedly there is going to be a big birthday bash planned for Kate and William in June that'll celebrate both of them. Is that confirmed, though? Is that – or is that rumor? That's the rumor. That's the rumor. But I don't know. Would you want to share a birthday party with your husband? I feel like I would want my own birthday party. Yeah. I just – I feel like you just (laughs) – want to go on a plane somewhere fabulous too with all your friends or something like that for 40 i don't know yeah um and then the last thing was just uh another laney gossip tidbit but i did think that this was really important it was that uh, highlighting that a lot of the articles 
which are very flattering and fawning of Kate, which we mentioned in the last episode. But a lot of these profiles ahead of her big day turning 40 also had somehow had to mention Megan in every single one. Mm-hmm. And I liked this quote. Lainey said, recognizing one woman by stepping on another ultimately doesn't truly honor either. And they've set it up internally within the royal system that limits her ability to push back against that kind of misogyny. Speaking of Kate. So they're just saying, you know, it's it's really sad because this does a disservice to both women by saying that you can only highlight one's, you know, incredibleness by kind of stepping on the other. I don't know. What did Yeah, you- I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like it was fascinating over the course of the week to see how many as told to stories we saw about Kate's birthday. There was a, mm-hmm. a very big press blitz about Kate turning 40, interviews about Kate with very vague sourcing. And I think that what I feel in this case is that I definitely believe that a lot of those stories were authorized by the palace. I don't love the practice of talking to close friends and family. I think it's a very complicated experience for royal Mm -hmm. watchers to understand what's accurate and what's not. But I think that it also gives tabloids carte blanche to potentially make up headlines and be like, oh, according to a friend, but there's no verification needed. And so then that spews all this dragging of Megan too. I feel like, you know, there was that headline that circulated, I saw a lot online that was from the sun. Megan must hate how popular Kate has become as she turns 40. <sighs> she is the beautiful Glinda to her wicked witch of the West. And then when you read it, like if you're Sorry, a discerning Paul. journalist and there's all these friends that supposedly gave comments, it's a little confusing because it's about how Kate, quote unquote, manages William. It definitely doesn't feel like this is a story that was authorized. That's just my two cents. But I think, again, it's just, it's a very confusing practice. It goes back to the Princes in the Press documentary. There's just how do we know what's real and what's not? Well, aren't the Sussexes kind of tamping down on that? Yeah, so recently... this was recent news that they are – apparently they will no longer allow unnamed sources to speak for them. So I I think this is complex, though, because I'm taking this that there's no more briefing that was a construction from the palace. I mean, Jason Knopf, that was like – seems like, you know, bye-bye him. He We know that he formally exited the role with the Cambridges yeah, this weekend. Yeah, I just feel like that's great. Like, do away with that. But I don't – I think that their intention is that if you see something about them, they will verify it. And they've done a lot of that. But I don't think it ultimately still gives them any more control than they already have over the rumor mill. What what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think people will always click the stories that say, according to a royal source or according to a friend of the family or according Mm -hmm. to the palace. And – Unfortunately, that's not something that's just going to go away, even if they say they're not, you know, I think what Harry and Meghan's statement was saying was that anything that says something like along those lines I just said, it's not, it's not them. It's not sanctioned by them. Don't believe it. Don't take it as truth. But people will still click to see. Yeah, it's a very complicated area. I mean, I feel like there's it's it's hard to kind of decode. And I do think Harry and Meghan making that statement is a reaction and and way to try and and change things after the case of the Daily Mail, you know, the People Mag Mm -hmm. story, lessons learned, finding freedom, all of that stuff. I just think that it is a runaway beast and it is something that needs to change. So we all, you know, as we follow along, have a little bit more understanding of truth. But anyways, it's yeah. it's a very fascinating thing. I always wonder, thing. just personally, like, I always wonder how close the friends are when they say, like, oh, Kate really enjoys That's these after-dinner I mean. party games. It's like It really does. This practice gives them 
tabloids anyone liberty to be like, oh yeah, according to a source, it could be made up. It doesn't. I totally picture like this, the like man on the sidewalk getting asked like what Kate does for a birthday. Yeah, like, like it's just how mean, do like, you uh, as a reader a gin and tonic. I don't know. It's like, what they said <laughs> in the Princes in the Press. Like it puts us the person that's receiving and consuming in the act. Like we have to ultimately decide what we believe and what we don't. And that is not a job that we should have when there's newspapers and all of that. Stuff. Right. Credible. But it's journalist. funny too that we're also a part of all of this. We Rachel, are because we give a lot of conjecture. The Daily Express like writes stories about our episodes all the time and takes quotes yes. from us out of and oh, sometimes all out the of time. context, very out of context, all the time. And like <laughs> I just laugh at that because I think it's so funny that like we're totally, you know, a lot of times we do we read a lot, we consume a lot in order to form these theories, and we follow the royals for so long that we feel and reputable like we sources do have that a we good feel. Idea. Yeah, and reputable sources that we lean on all the time, but I, it's just funny to me. Anyways, okay, moving on. We got to move on. Prince Andrew, we want to talk about that. Should we do a quick Google, make sure there's no uh, updates? I'll do in? it right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so look. nervous. We've been refreshing, keeping up, waiting for Judge Lewis Kaplan to rule on the technicality that Prince Andrew's lawyers are pursuing. Nervous. I do keep uh, Googling it whenever I'm like, like I look at my phone and then I immediately Yeah, I'm like I do a Andrew. task and then I'm going to triple check on because Andrew. Because I don't, honestly, personally, like I do not want them to kind of throw this out like I do think yeah. it should go to trial I do it think it sounds like that's what they're court. leaning towards so let me give a little bit of background here basically their lawyers for Prince Andrew are trying to use a secret silencing deal that Epstein drew up with Virginia in 2009 um, and Virginia is obviously Andrew's accuser in this case so it was basically that she was paid $500,000 to release future potential defendants from actions pursued by her Basically, I mean, it really is that he's trying to get off on a technicality. And there was also a new development where there was new information from one of Virginia's friends. She apparently got a text in 2001 from Virginia confirming that she had slept with Andrew. And that was reported by the Daily Mail in the last week. So this is someone corroborating what Virginia said. And I think this is the first example of that. So I think there are many ways that this could play out. But None of it works for Andrew. There's, it's like, I mean, and that's, I'm, you know, I think that his reputation is permanently tarnished. But scenario A mm-hmm. is that this technicality that they're trying to get off on works and he just has an asterisk next to his name for the rest of time. He, I don't think Andrew will ever be able to return to royal life, but the judge rules in his favor. I really don't think that's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, scenario B is that Andrew has to give a deposition. He has a court appearance this fall. He'll have to turn over all comms related to anything, diaries, text messages, whatever he has. Um, I think a lot of the conversations are about who pays and if there is Mm -hmm. a settlement that is reached. Because, Roberta, you and I were chatting before we recorded about this and the fact that just will Virginia accept a settlement if it comes to Mm -hmm. that? And I'm not sure that she Mm -hmm. will. What do you think? I don't think so. I think I read that she has – even said like she doesn't want to because she wants to be a standard bearer for other uh, sexual abuse victims, which I think is very honorable. Mm-hmm. And I I do think that um, this is a case where Andrew, if he wins on technicality, is also basically admitting that he would be another potential like the wording of this case that they're using from 2009. The settlement from 2009 is basically that, like you mentioned, any other potential defendants against 
Epstein's accusers, which doesn't look good yeah. if you're claiming that you're one of those people. It feels anyway, so admission of guilt. <laughs> yeah, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. And so, I I just think that that's it, that to me is like he's basically lost already, right? Like, and the the what going forward we have to decide, or what the royal family has to decide, is how they take him out of. Yeah, the, I mean, the I think eye. that that's ultimately it. Feels like that's going to be a problem for or what Charles and William will have to deal with. But right now, I think a lot of people are very angry, rightly so, that the queen who's been paying Andrew's legal fees, if it does come to a settlement, will she end up paying for that settlement, which people are estimating would be offered? I don't know how this works because I don't know how we have estimates early on. We don't know how this plays out, but people are projecting that it would be around $5 million. I think that's like what he has in his bank account, which is where that number came from because of the sale of the ski chalet yeah. that they've been talking about so much. So the Swiss that just ski went chalet, through, right? Yeah. The, yeah. And the equity that they have. Because they from don't have a lot of money. Million. Andrew doesn't really have that much money. I think him and Fergie have a very fancy lifestyle. There's a great piece about this in, in the Telegraph about his finances. He's paying a lot for his lawyers. And, you know, just his New York lawyer alone, it's $2,000 an hour is what this person charges typically. So, I mean, I just think that this is... Is that good news, Gary? I feel like that's the funniest thing that's... like, And and none of this is funny. Like, it's all so serious and so upsetting. But I do think it's like his lawyer's name, Good News Gary? Oh, my God. I know. Exactly. It's ridiculous. I get the creeps. I don't know. But even just the idea, like, you know, I feel like that this would be taxpayer money too like what are the origins if if the queen does assist so there's a lot to answer for there but i think going back to your original point about where this leads for the family like whatever happens to andrew he's got to be out and like will we see him at the platinum jubilee i hope not i hope he's not a part of it and he desperately wants to come back to royal life and i think there needs to be some sort of acknowledgement of the fact that whatever happens if he totally gets off scot-free he is demoted. There needs to be some physical representation of that. I don't know what it is. If your <laughs> own military associations that you represent are calling for your titles to be stripped and your command yeah. of them to be given to someone else, that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. The like it is in such stark contrast to I think when Harry was stripped of his titles and the organizations he represented were really devastated by that. There these people that Andrew is like overseeing basically and the, there's a story uh, I don't even know the exact titles that he has kind of has under his command for military associations but they do not want him to represent them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That should say everything to yeah. the queen. And I, I don't think-, think the royal family can continue to just you know ignore this to the point that it goes away because it's not going away. This will not go away right. whatever happens and if this becomes a big high profile trial based on what plays out with this judge's decision this week it's going to be bad. So moving on to another brother, and this is positive. Prince Charles wrote a wonderful piece for Newsweek, and I want to give him credit for that. It had actionable items about climate change, and everyone should read it. It also had William and Harry mentions. I think that that was so wonderful to see. Mm -hmm. He talked about both of his son's efforts on behalf of the environment. Roberta, do you feel like that was an olive branch moment from Charles? Do you think that was just... um, I totally PR for do. himself I, or no, I totally think that that was an olive branch moment because I think um, we know, you know, the queen didn't mention Harry in the COP26 speech and she didn't have him on her desk for a Christmas speech the previous year. And so I think um, and it makes sense. I mean, I don't think she should have when he is no longer kind of a senior member of the royal family like that's 
that makes sense to me. And I respect that decision. But I do think as a father, this is where Charles is coming from. And that's why I really appreciated that. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I also just thought the article overall is a was a really great read because it really kind of a shows the history charles has been passionate about the environment for so so long people felt he was kind of ridiculous about it and the urgency was completely unnecessary when he was caring about it in the 70s obviously prince philip was very passionate long before that but i think he basically you know one of his points that i loved is we made a covid vaccine in one year we can Mm -hmm. do hard things i'm quoting glenn Glenn and doyle's podcast which i love um but we can do hard things and i think that we need to step up up and, and and it did feel the article felt uplifting. It didn't feel all gloom and doom about this. So I really, really enjoyed it. And it made me think not to take this back to TV and movies, but Don't Look Up was a holiday watch for myself. Did you check that out, Roberta? <laughs> yes, I have very mixed feelings yes, on it. It was very uh, a hard watch. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but it's with Leonardo DiCaprio. Check it out if you haven't. But basically, you know, I think I am very eager in this year to do something personally. You know, I feel like I've talked about how I think Earthshot is all about these big corporations making changes Mm -hmm. or these changes that, you know, feel a lot more sweeping than I can offer as an individual. So I'm trying to make like little pivots. And Leonardo DiCaprio, tied to that movie, has a great Instagram account with all these little things. They call it take a step of what you can do to make an impact in your daily lives. So I wanted to direct people to that because I am trying to put some of those into practice myself. What are some of those things that like people like you and well, I Well, so one of the things easily. that I'm doing is, and courtesy of a, of a cookbook, but I'm trying to eat more vegetarian. I am not a vegetarian, mm. but I think just, you know, the, the impact of that it's is- a great goal. You I know, want to do that too. Less meat, less land, like land clearing for animals, less, you know, consumption in that way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I'm trying to do is remembering this is a flaw, and I'm embarrassed to admit that I do this, but I often forget to bring bags to the grocery store. Oh, me like too. I just walking me around too. Brooklyn, I always so forget. So I'm just like, those are forget. tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny changes, yeah. reducing plastic use, things like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about it. And I appreciate this essay from Charles. But anyways, that's my two cents. <laughs> I love it. I did want to just mention one more quick oh, yeah. thing is that we I wanted to talk about this quick royal rumor that's been floating around, which is about the Sussexes possibly set to move. Did you read about this, Roberta? I saw that and I kind of just wrote it off because well, I yeah. felt like it was a rumor, but I don't know. I mean, that would maybe be it is. Exciting. And maybe I'm giving it airtime that it doesn't deserve. And I think it's not verified, as we know, like the Sussexes will confirm if it's a truth it, that they feel is necessary to talk about. But there is a story. Uh, and I think the f- red flag is that it's a source vague. And it was from the Daily Mail, again, red flag, Um, but that they're house hunting again and that they are basically ultimately seeking more privacy. They don't love the home for various reasons. Uh, I just, yeah, I I wanted to get your gut check on if it's fact or fiction. But I I do think like, you know, rumors aside, I do feel like I could see them really wanting to downsize. Like I think that they're – I don't think, you know – Megan grew up in a palace. She didn't grow up in a house with 14 bedrooms. I think it would make sense for them to have something a little bit smaller. So I that's the only thing I could think of was that I might like 
it might feel weird to be in such a giant estate and mansion when they could be close. They seem so close-knit in that photo of them from the holidays. So well, I don't yeah, know. I, just I think, think that was my reaction too. And then also just the idea that they did move in really rapidly. Like COVID was closing in on all of us. They needed to relocate from Canada. And I know that they were at Tyler Perry's house for a while, but they were under pressure to make a decision. And you kind of don't know exactly. Like I think we're all yeah. in this kind of refiguring out the needs of our life. So Again, this might be just a big fat rumor, but I thought it was kind of an interesting one to mention. Moving we'll on. Keep our eye on that. Yeah. Hit me with before the highs we, and lows. <laughs> before we adjourn, our highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. My low is just that the Prince Andrew stuff is really weighing on me because I don't want the judge to throw it out, but I think how long it's taken him to make a decision has me a little bit worried. And. Um, the way he questioned Andrew, because I kind of read some of the transcript of the hearing and the way that he really poked holes in Andrew's defense made me think that he definitely wouldn't. But now it's been over or over a week or a week. It's been a week today that this has happened. So I just I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Yeah. That's my low. What's your low? No, it makes sense. My low is horrible that Piers Morgan is, has an official return and comeback. He's going to have a new column in The Sun called Uncensored. Ugh, I saw this. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's launching next week. Apparently, for the last six months, he's been dealing with long-haul COVID. I'm going to just not have anything. <laughs> I'm going to hold my thought I did on not that. know that. I don't I wish ill on that. anyone, but I'm I kind of, I mean, but yeah, or, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like there was this quote saying, basically, in his article interview about his comeback, he threatens Meghan Markle. He says, this is a quote, pushy little princess Pinocchio tried her utmost to cancel me and she will be in for a very unpleasant surprise when I emerge like Lazarus from my den. Like, I hate that he's using Christian symbolism to talk about his return. Yeah, it's just so like wrong. I just felt so gross reading this. It's despicable. Yeah. And Mulling it- over this, though, it's like Pierce Morgan makes his money and his career on, you know, getting people upset. And yeah. I that's why I don't want to pay attention to him because that's his whole Oh, totally. Game. I am not going to read. I'm not going to read. Ugh, ugh. Yeah, but I'm he also really has make a, a new point, TV not- show, I think, too. Oh, really? He's I didn't going to get that. a new TV ugh. show, a column. The article was so sensational because it was basically like I'm getting like so many you know job offers and all of this stuff but I I, I checked this one out but I'm really going to try to make a commitment to not even give it any attention because it just really bothers me that was my low it's so upsetting my high is this little tidbit that Camilla is going to be guest editing country life she's going to be guest editing the July issue which is the same month she turned 75 so a big milestone birthday for her as well and we're going to be getting her favorite recipe her favorite rural people which is the only way I can summarize what this little tidbit is but it's supposedly in the magazine she's highlighting her countryside champions wow it's like what like her favorite people who live in the country i don't really get it but okay and then her favorite view which i don't know what that means but maybe a photograph of where she i don't know like I just breathing think space oprah really magazine used to have breathing space and you'd have like a pretty oh, view and that was oh, just like in a, maybe I mean, what it is maybe it's something along those lines but i yeah i did i did like this though because i'm excited to hear about her favorite recipe and i also liked her son's quote uh tom parker bowles who's her son he's a columnist for country life and his quote was i'm rather hoping she won't try to muck around with my copy which (laughs) as like a journalist too it's like mom please don't give me these edits like Like, i know track changes red marker all that all of the 
you know. And she also did, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, she had like a little, um, you know, you can say what you want about Camilla. I'm not like trying to like pump her up or anything, but I do think that this was cute how she did this little um, library, those telephone booth libraries that they yes, have. Yes, I thought that was and adorable. Similar to like these sharing libraries that have popped up all around the U.S. too, but um, she added some books to that, and they were signed, so that was really cool. I, I like her reading stuff. I think that that's really nice. Yeah, and her recipes, so that'll be kind of interesting. That was my high. What about you? My high was just the Lily Collins appearance on The Late Late Show. I'm This is a TV episode. I'm just going to say it, but Emily in Paris, I'm also in. I don't love the stereotypes, but it's just like an easy watch, and I miss Paris, and so I just – I definitely put it on in the background a lot and enjoy it, but uh, Emily's dad – was Phil Collins. I actually don't know that I made that connection ever. And I think I did once and it blew my mind and I was like, yeah, what? (laughs) And so his musical career led him to work with the Prince's Trust in the 1970s. And so Lily at the age of two gave Diana flowers at some sort of meet and greet and immediately (laughs) as she handed them, pulled them back. And it was like, I guess, according to you know, Lily Collins in this interview, like the air went out of the room and it was a very big deal. And she also threw a toy at Charles, like totally reckless, like <laughs> troublemaker. Do in we this have photographic evidence? Of there's this? a photo. Yes. Of her. Well, not of her oh, like it pulling up. it back, but there's a photo of her meeting Princess Diana. So I just thought that that was kind of Wait, a fun little really world's colliding moment for all of us. Oh, she's so cute. She's very little. She has a little headband on. <laughs> very fancily dressed and everything, but it's crazy, you know, like she's little enough where she can totally be she could get away with pulling it. them back from Princess Diana after giving them to her. All right. What a great episode. All right, just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Here's one. It says, so good. Love these two. If you're a true fan of the royals, you'll love this podcast. Rachel and Roberta spill the tea in the best way possible. Can't get enough. We can't get enough of you, Phil. Thank you for your note. And if you do find yourself on Apple Podcasts, which I do all the time, then please, please, please leave us a review. We would love it. Reminder to subscribe. You can also send us an email. We want to hear what you think about the episode. Info at gallerypodcasts.com. Gallerypodcasts podcasts am i saying the s loud enough i appreciate the enunciation (laughs) and till next week god God save save the the pod her majesties of royally obsessed have retired for this episode god save the pod and if you fancy the podcast give royally obsessed the royal rating of five stars on apple podcasts follow us on instagram at royally obsessed podcast and join our facebook group royally obsessed royally obsessed is a gallery podcast production